Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Welcome to Crunch Time. Brought to you by the Isuzu D-Max. Born to live. Franklin. Silent streaks the kick. Magnificent. He turns to the fans. The force is with him. Franklin's first. All eyes to Buddy Franklin. Kicking for his second tonight. Yes. Two down. Two to go. Buddy Franklin winds up from centre-half forward. He lashed it. (laughs) He's striking the pure. And he moves to the cusp of the milestone. Here comes Buddy. He doubles back. The kick's going his way from water. Yes! He's 40 metres out. He comes in. The crowd comes in. He's got it. A thousand goals for Buddy Franklin. Perfectly, Franklin. A thousand goals. He lives out a million people's dreams. And this is a sight to behold. Buddy Franklin is lost among thousands of fans who pour onto the SCG. He's in a league of his own in modern football. Thousand it was, it was a special moment, one I'll never forget. But for me to achieve this, I wouldn't have been able to do it without my teammates. I've, I've been fortunate enough to play with some unbelievable players over my career, and without without those players, I wouldn't be able to kick those goals. It was a surreal um, thing. It was just unbelievable. It really was a special moment, and one I'll cherish forever. An unforgettable night at the SCG as Lance Franklin joins the goal-kicking immortals and enshrines himself as a legend of the game. We revel in Buddy's epic achievements. An hour-long final term is about to come to a close. A historic night at the SCG has seen epic deeds. Lance Franklin to soak all of that up while the Swans have confirmed that their time is now. Well, I've never seen that. I've never been a part of that. Um, so that was uh, you know, one of the most, most special moments you probably get. Or certainly I can look back on. I mean, we've just been able to watch one of the all-time greats go about his business and um, to be able to sit there and watch that tonight was pretty special. The, the night always had the potential to be Buddy's night and, and Australian football in, in Sydney as well. And, if the takeaway from this night is that um, we're really disappointed and had to suck it up a little bit while Sydney celebrated, we can live with that. Swarms provide a compelling taste of what they're capable of in a comprehensive beating of Geelong. Sydney coach John Longmire is our headline guest. Kerno from the tightest of angles. It never looked like missing! The Blues fans were out of their seats to cheer at home by the time it landed. Well, clearly we don't agree with the decision because we suspended Willie. The tribunal decided that he was actually going for a mark and was entitled to contest it and that if we were going to appeal, we really had no ground. Um, I mean, at the moment, we've got uh, around 17, 18, 19 players available uh, on our list. We're working through it today, so I'm, I'm sorry I can't give you clarity, but I haven't got clarity myself. 
and ravaged by COVID, the Eagles call up the ring-ins as they travel to face the Kangaroos with a shell team. We'll delve into all the footy issues on the round two edition of Crunch Time. There is a glow over the football world today as we revel in the deeds of Lance Franklin. What we saw as a code, as a sport, it's travelled global already. Where else in the world could you see scenes quite like that? And in the storied history of the SCG, that is a moment that will live eternal. It'll live eternal. A thousand goals for Lance Franklin. Jared Waitley with you for crunch time. Jeremy Bruton told you in the lead up last night, Buddy would get four shots. And he kicked them absolutely <laughs> superbly, Darren. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Jared. Uh, yeah, it was not a monster game from Lance, but a monster in the history of our sport, isn't it? Um, he kicked the four goals, I think 10, 11 possessions, did his job. It is the worst result for rugby league in Sydney. It galvanised our sport. You hear, heard Chris Scott then. And, and he was saying, we can live with the, the revelling in, in Buddy's achievements. So I, I think that really galvanised our football com, uh, community somewhat and said, you know what, at the heart of it, great deeds. We're all willing to support it. Put our differences aside and say, what a great sport we have. How good were his four kicks? <laughs> Pure. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about it. Goal kickers, you just want to hit the centre of the foot. He hit it purely. Even the big bomb that went against the tide, for him, left to right from outside 50, even that struck purely and you thought, oh, no, is he going to get the fade, the tail, the right to left? But it went the other way because of the distance journeyed. Yeah, it all went right for him. It all went right. Kane Corns is with us. Kane, what did you make of it watching at home? Well, it was one of those moments, one of the rare moments where your whole house is gathered around the TV and there probably hasn't been that many in my household. Like younger kids now, they get their highlights off, off TikTok and Twitter and Instagram. They don't necessarily sit down and watch a whole game of footy. So as a family, it's rare that you have those those moments. So Robbie Gray after the siren was one in my household. Ollie Wines winning the Brownlow for Port Adelaide reasons. But in the history of the game, it's one of those ones where you remember exactly where you were. I've never seen anything like it. Like, I was... I was in shock. Like I knew it was coming, and we've seen fans storm the ground before, but it wasn't sort of like this. So at one point, I was a little bit worried for him. I was like, is he going to be okay? Is he going to be able to get off? Is he going to suffocate? That was sort of what was going through my mind. I thought he handled it incredibly well, and he was really patient um, with the fans, who must have been so annoying. Like, how many times can you pat someone on the head and try and film them and, and get a rise out of him? But he was just so patient, and he did well to get off. But one of the moments you'll never forget, and I think it's the, the most memorable moment that I... I don't know, you're hesitant to make big calls, but I can't remember seeing anything like that in the game before. Yeah, from, from, from my time anyway. The magnitude of the invasion, the, the stage, the fact that it's under lights. And you're right, Kane. I think a big part of it was the way that Buddy gloried in it. So there, it would have been positively frightening, and there's the risk mm. of it becoming totally overwhelming. And yet every time there was a close shot of him, he had a beaming smile. He was pumping his fist. He did his. He handed himself over to it. I think more than, more than could have possibly been expected of an individual. And by the end, they were almost crowd surfing him off the ground. He had no control over his scenario, but he did look like he thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, he did. Oh, and for, 
the pressure was building, and you could see it last week. There was more emotion than we've seen from him. Clearly, it was, and absolutely it would be, weighing on his mind. Like every goal was like, yes, come on. I'm, I'm, and I've never seen him try that hard. Like, footy sort of just come easily to him. and But like he was getting up, and he was sprinting back as soon as he sniffed the goal. I was hoping his hamstrings would hold together because <laughs> he's had history there, and he was just working so hard. And then he came off the ground, Jared. You would have been all over this at, at the SCG. He came off. What, with about 13 minutes through the last quarter and he sat there till the 11-minute mark and he got up and they made three interchanges. And he wasn't one of them. And the yep. crowd's gone on. Is, is he going to get back on? And he came back on with about 10 minutes to go. And uh, young Chad Warner, he just played that beautifully, didn't he? You just had to kick that to Buddy and he did. And then the scenes after the game in the rooms where he said, I told you I'd get you the ball. Uh, just, just one of the great nights in AFL history. It was such a peculiar environment where once he'd kicked the third goal, the game was totally peripheral to everybody's yep. thinking. And you're right, when he came to the bench, it was almost like, okay, so let's everyone just take a break. And the Swans <laughs> kicked this, the most magnificent goal from a kick in I reckon I've ever seen. And it was just a ripple of applause. Is he back on yet? Is he back on? So I haven't, it, it does sit in the singular moments of sport that I've been lucky enough to be at. It, it easily mm. sits with Warren's 700th here at the MCG. It mm. sits with Usain Bolt winning the 100 metres in Beijing in the stadium. It, it is one of the greatest things I've had the privilege of witnessing firsthand. Kathy Freeman's Kathy? run yeah, at Sydney as well. That, that, that had that moment aura around it as well. So, yeah, sitting watching it on TV, Kane, it, 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 you could feel it through. You could feel it. Through the through the screens and uh, to know him, he's such an effervescent character. I mean, you you said he gave himself over to the moment. He is an effervescent character. He's a very very likable fella. He's a megastar, so not many of us get to reach and, and touch, feel, shake hands with him and see him in a personal level. I I tell people. You've got to see this bloke in person. You won't believe how big he is. For <laughs> the you see the agility on screen. He's an exceptional athlete. But the thing that, like you mentioned, Shane Warren, he he's just great fun to be around. Off the ground, he's just such an effervescent personality. And you could see that on the screen. In a moment when he said, I've got no guard up, this is me, he, he loved the moment. You could see that real smile uh, coming through. And I would have loved him to stay at Hawthorne, but he's very happy in Sydney. <laughs> he's very happy. So from... An epic moment. There's so many threads. As who was the woman who blocked the shot? Where Ooh. did the ball end up? Where did the players seek sanctuary? Sam Edmonds been following all of this. <laughs> Sam, welcome. Jared, good morning to you. Derm, Kane, great to see the you ball. both. The, the ball. ball. So, Jared, Sydney are about to launch an appeal to find Buddy's 1,000th goal sharing. Now, the Swans are working with security and Channel 7 to identify the lucky fan. I've touched base with the club this morning. There is a reward, of course. Hey, you get to come along to training. You get to meet Lance, have a chat with Lance, hand the ball over. I'm sure there's some They're merchandise involved. a bit involved. more meat on the bone before that bloke gives up the footy, I'd think. Tom Brady gave up a Bitcoin famously. Now, I've posted on Twitter some of the early feedback on this is reminiscent of the Castle's jousting sticks. So tell the <laughs> Swans, they're dreaming, Jared. I'm not sure how they're going to get the ball back, but whoever's got it, he's sitting on something significant. So this is an interesting moment for the sport. It's in baseball. 
the fan who picks up the ball owns it. That's the way that it works. It's not the property yeah. of the league. It's got nothing to do with the player. If you end up with the ball, it's yours to barter with as you please. Who who has custody, rightful custody of the Sharon? It's one for the solicitors, I reckon, Jared. Uh, they can get their their cut of this. I'm not entirely sure, to be honest with you. Um, but Sydney are combing through the vision at the moment. As I say, what a, hopefully not, some um, uninterrupted vision from Channel 7. The security as well. They're isolated cameras. So. I, I, I don't know what it is these days, but there was a time many, many years ago, I was the office boy at the AFL slash VFL. And Alan, the great Alan uh, Schwab said Malcolm Blight was to kick his 100th. And he said, that's our footy. We own that footy. So I don't know if times have changed since then, but they would believe they are the rightful owners of that footy. Yeah, want Buddy to get and, and anybody with their hands on it has actually, uh, well, let's not say broken the law. Well, but I think they've stolen it. Yeah. So yeah, it, I didn't for the want moment, to say that. it's temporary custody and then yeah. you do the right thing and all the spoils that come with that. But I think if you, as the fan, tried to pop that on eBay... I wouldn't mind betting you'd be in strife. Mm. I think that's unsellable, that football, mm. legally. Yeah, like the star of India Ruby, is it? If you pinch that, everybody's going to know you're selling it and the price you want for it. And I'm, and I'm sure the Swans will operate in good faith and do what they can, but it was magical last night. As soon as I saw Clarko in the Swan scale celebrating <laughs> with Champers, I was sold. And, and John Long, my horse, I mean, ever the straight-laced professional, even to hear him say he was in the box saying, kick it to Lance, kick it to Lance. I thought, that just summed it up for me. <laughs> so what of what was happening? So the, the security plan didn't hold. Oh. They're like, <laughs> Did they want it to hold? I don't, I don't know whether the really plan was to, to get some security around Buddy, yep. but the yep. fans were on the move. It, had it missed, we were going to have a 20-minute delay yeah. before anybody realised that it had missed. So that that didn't work. But there were players in all sorts of weird places in the aftermath. Just on the security, what about white shirt guy? Remember him with the, the Swans cap who just cleared the path like a front rower for Buddy? Not an official security member at all. So Sydney <laughs> are looking for him to say thank you thank for your you. act of... Yeah. Uh, of, uh, of good Samaritanism, if it you like. It would be funny if he had the footy. Zach Tui trying to make his way off the ground. Pole axes a fan by accident. The fan goes flying and charges back off into the scrum. And Zach goes, oh, hang on, mate, you've dropped your wallet or your phone or something valuable anyway. So he, Zach's picked it up and charged back to exactly where he doesn't <laughs> want to be. And that he's back into the hornet's nest. Um, Chad Warner stuck outside the ground with Ollie Florent. You would have heard about from John Longmire last night. Walking around there on Drivers Avenue in their footy boots, fully <laughs> equipped, trying to get back into the ground. So funny. And Sydney had... Doom, you've got a term for this, but they had rooms all around the ground. So if a player, buddy, or a teammate got stuck on the far side, you could find sanctuary inside some They're safe houses. They're safe houses. They're safe houses. To get yeah. away from the hordes, if you like, Jared. So in the Bradman room, a Bradman stand there, they had rooms set up for, for players to find sanctuary and peace. But in the end, that was all part of the charm, the cha yep. chaotic nature of it. And it may, very, it may be the last time we ever see it. Maybe the game will see a 100-goal kicker again in the future if things change. But the last time there was a ground invasion was for Buddy in 2008. And there's nothing foreseeable on the horizon that, that would repeat. Well, you, you see, even the, the star key forwards, their averages, they are going to have to play 350 games to get there. And that's, that's the crop we have now. That's a big... A big call. And who knows what the evolution of the game will become in terms of do the coaches lock it down even more. At the moment, we've got a game-taking risk. We're, we're two games into round two. So uh, um, what are we, 11 games in? And we're liking what we're seeing. I'm not going to 
put back the house on it that, that that's going to stay in this vein for too much longer, but I'm loving what I'm seeing. Yeah, forget a thousand. Can you see a hundred happening in a season? I think the certain seventy five's the new hundred, isn't it? Mm. So it, it's quite a moment to live. What does it do, Kane, for Lance's legacy? And there's a night 20 years down the track when he's formally elevated to legend status in the mm. Hall of Fame, and last night is, is a seminal moment in that. What does it do to a legacy that was always, already going to be um, so massive and large? I, well, it just cements it, doesn't it? Um, what was, I think, James Brayshaw's call from Seven was from a, a legend to an immortal. Now, that sort of sums it up a little bit. Um, you know, he's always going to be an AFL legend in the Hall of Fame, which... Uh, when you think about it, is phenomenal in itself. Is he the most watchable player we've seen in the last 20 years? He certainly would be. He's the most unique forward I think we've ever seen. I mean, you, you can compare forwards of different generations and sort of compare the likeness to them, but he's like nothing we've ever seen. The way that he's kicked his goals, he he can't take a contested mark to save himself, do him really? Like, and that's been and that's got <laughs> we worse as he's, last night as, as, well, he's, yeah. as he's got older. So, how can you kick a thousand goals without being able to take a contested mark? You look at Dunstall and Ablett and Carey and running back with a flight of the ball, and even the modern, more modern day ones in in Revold and Lloyd and and the ones that have kicked a lot of goals, very good in a contested situation. He's he's not. He can hardly mark the ball above his head. So to kick a thousand doing it that way with pure athleticism, speed, um, agility and, and class is amazing in itself and hasn't been the most accurate forward either. Like he's had, I'm not sure how many total shots on goal he's had, I'll get that up in a second, but he's had a lot of shots at goal because he hasn't been that accurate. So, yeah, I don't think we'll ever see, you know, I know the comparisons, Yamari Eagle Hagen and, and things like that, and that's probably the most similar attributes that I've seen from any forward, but... Will we ever see a player like him again? Um, I'm not sure, but it's going to be a special night, Jared. Whenever that time comes in in 20, 30 years' time, when he's elevated. Oh, it's just it's. I'm reminiscing even further back now. Remember in the days when there was Buddy and Cyril on show together. <laughs> that that was a Kane. That was an yeah. exceptional era to be a horse. Take it for granted. Supporter. Yeah, one, yeah, we did at the time. Yeah, we did. I reckon. Yeah, we did. So he's kicked 701 points as well, Sammy. Six. So yeah. 791? Uh, 701 behinds. 701. So 1,000 goals and 701 behinds. 1,700 shots at goal. Well, think about well we'd that. see him come off the ground, Kane, and we say, oh, look, buddy, he's, had, he's kicked an eight today. And, he's, and somebody, you, that's your first glance, oh, what a dominant game. And then you look at the stats and go, he's actually kicked eight goals, nine. Mm. <laughs> and you think, he's had 17 <laughs> shots at goal. Well, How the does that happen for a bloke who doesn't mark the ball above his head? Key uh, the, forward. It's oh, extraordinary. No. The year he kicked 100 in 2008, he kicked 113 88. It's 200 it's wrong, shots on it? goal. Yeah. Yeah, it's wrong. Yeah. The, the measure that most strikes me is, is Lockett, Dunstall, Ablett, Coventry kick bags of 10. Mm. Yeah. 10 plus. It, Franklin's done that twice only. So Lockett kicked 22 bags of 10 plus, mm. Dunstall 16, Ablett 12, Coventry 10. So I think this is the most exceptional thousand goals because of the way the game evolved away from what it had been for those players where yeah. you could you played goal square, down it came and they were just so good in the one-on-ones. Mm. It'd be impossible now, Jared, to, to reflect back and try and get the statistics, because a lot of those matches are lost. But the amount of one-on-one contests that those previous, um, what do you call it, 
goal kickers uh, have got the amount of one-on-one goals that they have would be far in excess of Lance's. His is in a forward line where, as long as it didn't come out of the middle, he's he's fighting eight, you know, and the and the overpopulation of players in there, which makes it extraordinary. Yeah, it does make. Uh, I still think of all of them, all of them out here at the MCG against Collingwood that day. When you have a bloke six foot six and 105 kilo took the ball and jumped from one end of the centre circle to the other <laughs> and kicked from 85 hmm. metres out and one bounce through, hmm. it is the best goal I think I've seen. And I've watched a lot of footy. Yep. It was something that I still look at back at that and think, gee, I wish he was still playing with us. <laughs> it's, it's been a joy to watch. He's done great things for Sydney. Though. It's hard to quantify these sort of things, but the game in Sydney and the profile of the game in Sydney. Now, his teammates and his young teammates that love him so much. I didn't mention this earlier. Justin McInerney, young star at the Sydney Swans, of course, not playing last night was one of those in the players race sort of watching on from afar and on his tippy toes and then when the moment came and the ball sailed through he looked at sort of the Sydney officials and gave him a look he said yeah bugger it I'm in I'm running in he ran out sprinted out with his arms in the air That's as did great. a couple of other teammates so there, great teams. there's a childlike joy to every yeah. footy fan I think today as we revel in Lance Franklin we're going to chat to his coach who's a pretty fair goal kicker in his own right John Longmire is going to join us next this is crunch time brought to you by the Isuzu D-Max is born to live Footage should make you feel good, and that is true right across the landscape today, and particularly in Sydney. Walking out of the ground last night, the the reverie that was being shared and the stories that were being told between young lads who'd probably been on it for a fair while, and they were <laughs> recounting their stories of how close they'd gotten been out on the ground. It was, my daughters would say, it was a vibe. It was a vibe, all right. John Longmire is the coach of the Sydney Swans. He was a fair goal kicker in his own right. He avoided that moment. John, welcome to Crunch Time. Morning, gents. How have you taken it in the morning after? How do you reflect on a, a, a magnificent moment for the code? Yeah, it was. It was uh, just incredible, wasn't it? I mean, just... Um the scenes were, you know, just amazing last night, and um, and took a while to get to sleep last night. I don't imagine what Lance was like trying to get to sleep, but um, there certainly was an incredible buzz around the place. And uh, <clears throat> wake up this morning, we've got a six-day break into the Bulldogs, so uh, <laughs> I'm going to try and put it to, put it to bed pretty quickly and move on. Don't move on too quickly with us. Well, what did you feel for Lance uh, to be the, the sixth man to reach that magical milestone? Uh, it's. You know, it's you know to have just six people do it in the history of the game, and and such a a, a difficult task in modern day footy is is just um, has to be savoured. I mean, Lance is a a real footy head, and he loves his footy, and he watches it over summer, and um, you know he he's one of those blokes that just love footy, so he he absolutely appreciates the significance of it as as we all do, and. And so, you know, he would have been feeling it a bit leading up to last night and um, we were trying to, you know, we just downplayed it as much as we could. It was always going to happen when it was going to happen. But to have it happen here at the SCG last night in front of so many of his family and friends and in front of so many of our, our Sydney supporters here was, uh, you know, it, it couldn't have been any better, really. Horst Dermott here. Congratulations on the win. Congratulations on being the coach uh, at the moment when when one of the game's great feats was achieved. How difficult was it to actually 
go through some of the details that were required. Like Sam Edmonds told us about the safe houses around the <laughs> ground that needed to be. How much did you give the players, and does it distract from your coaching about that moment? I'd imagine you'd have to go through some of those protocols. Yeah, I mean, we we just had um, a briefing um, last week before we played at a call, and this week we get the SCG. Um, and but it was only a, it was just a five minute briefing um, about what would happen if it happened. And um, but largely we we moved on from that because you can't sort of sit in that area too much and and um, and wonder about the what ifs. So we we understood there was a lot of talk about it anyway, let alone talking too much about it internally. And we had a game to win, so. Um, you know, we did talk about it a, 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 a bit about the logistics of it if it happened. Um, I'm not sure that worked out perfectly last night because <laughs> uh, things, things, things went a bit pear-shaped there for a while. There was, there was people everywhere, but uh, uh, what do you do? You know, it's just uh, one of those moments you can plan as much as you like, but in the end, it was just um, it was just an incredible bit of football history, really. Do you feel a bit like the school teacher on the excursion going, ah, oh, we've only got 20 here. Does anyone know where these others are? <laughs> yeah, I, did, I did actually, Jared. I did a, I did a head count. I got someone to do a head count in the rooms and realised we're about five short. And um, and I was, felt like the kindergarten teacher trying to look around where all the kids were. And then I found out there was two down Driver Avenue, walking down Driver Avenue. And <laughs> I thought we might we might actually struggle to get a get a team organised for the last five and a half minutes. I might have to go and see Scotty and see if we can call it off. But... Um, <laughs> It was it was a bit like that. There was there was players everywhere, and you just had to go with a bit. It, uh, we didn't know how long they'd be on the ground. We didn't think they'd be that that long on the ground. And then we had to do a warm up, and and then you know we obviously had to find our players, but um, they were in all parts of the ground. So eventually, after an hour of the final quarter, the siren goes. They come into the rooms, and I would imagine it's business as usual to some extent. And you take them into the room, and you. And the coach's first words, what was said last night? Uh, we just took them into the uh, the actual change rooms. And, it, you know, it wasn't business as usual as such. I mean, you can't sort of pretend that it wasn't a big event. It was. And as much as, we you know, we, we try and move on and, and put things behind us. And there's also, you have to savour those moments. I mean, um, everyone that was involved here at the SCG last night will remember that forever. And so you have to acknowledge that we went into the change rooms and... and um, with our players and our staff and, and Lance's family, we got them all in, in into the change rooms and we just had a chat and, and, and spent some time together. And um, the boys weren't in too much of a hurry to have a shower. We sat around and enjoyed each other's company and, and had a talk about it. Um, it was just a, you know, it was, it was fantastic to be able to do that. Um, Alistair Clarkson came down with his wife, Karen, and um, you know, that was important too because we had to acknowledge that he's obviously played a, a significant part in Hawthorne's history and a lot of those goals were kicked at Hawthorne. So it was really important to, to have Alistair there as well. What Your voice, obviously. What voices spoke in that room to, to recognise the moment? Uh, it was just myself and uh, and Lance. And, um, you know, you can imagine neither of us are about massive big speeches and... Um, and uh, and, and talking too much, we just um, just acknowledged it as Lance did. Um, you know, had, had his daughter with him and his family, and he just acknowledged yes. the, the moment and um, acknowledged his family. You know, they've been obviously WA, and it's pretty hard to see them. And and so there were some special moments there. And then it's just a matter of he thanked his teammates, and and uh, you know, he's like them, and he's, he's very humble. And um, in those moments, he just feels genuinely to be. good guy, isn't he? 
Oh, he is. I mean, he's it's, it's just so humble for for a superstar. And, and to be able to sit around in the rooms and, and experience that and just hear him uh, talk about it, you know, the get back onto the, the team stuff and thank his teammates. And that's just what he's been about his whole career. John, I didn't think it was going to happen when you took him off with 13 minutes to go and he, he couldn't get back on. Was that your call or was that his? Was he spent? No, it was just part of our normal rotations. It's, um, you know, well, whilst, whilst everyone in the crowd, and you know, I didn't realise until I'm watching the, watching the vision this morning that you know, there was so much, obviously, build-up to that last goal. Um, I didn't realise it at the time, but it was just part of his normal rotations. I mean, we didn't want to put him at risk. Um, you know, we, we still had to make sure that he that he gets through the game unscathed. We don't, we don't, you know, it wouldn't have happened if we if we put him at risk. We still got plans that we need to follow, and and then um, he was able to come back on with ten minutes to go, and unfortunately get it done. Yeah, you couldn't have done it better. So speaking of that, and, and putting him at risk, how will you manage him ongoing? You mentioned the six day break coming up, the travel. Is there a chance you may rest him this week, or is that a discussion for perhaps later in the year? Yeah, no, we haven't talked about it at the moment, Kane. I mean, um, you know, we talk about from we, all of our players from week to week. It'll be no different this week. There's no plan at the moment, but um, I think he pulled up pretty well. Um, you know, last year we, we we gave him a rest a couple of times, but it was into the season a fair bit, and and when we felt he needed it, when he felt we needed to hit some high speed running at training, we did that a couple of weeks ago with him. Uh, he didn't play the last practice game, so he was able to have a week of training of high speed efforts and weights and focus on that and. He was able to tick that off, so that was an important step for him. Horse, in the last uh, quarter of a century, the two most extraordinary key forwards I've seen have been Lance Franklin and your good mate, the Duck, Wayne Carey. I'm not going to throw it on the line here and say which is first charge. Which one was more coachable? And I know you didn't coach Wayne, but you were side on to the action. Uh, <laughs> uh, you had a good seat in the house watching the duck. Um, I mean, he was, they're both very different, both very different personalities. And, um, the, uh, the I think that the, I'm not going to compare each player. I think that'd be unfair, but, um, they're both yep. different people, different players. It's like, I, I, you know, got a message from Plugger last night and, um, you know, fortunate to, to, um, you know, spend some time with him over the years and he was so thrilled and they've all got their different little nuances, haven't they? And, and that's what makes them so great and probably a bit unfair to, to lump them all together. John, Sam Edmund here. I know you're not into the hypotheticals, but, geez, you must have been thankful you had a, a decent lead at the time of the delay. I mean, it would have added some significant stress, I'd imagine, if it, if it was tight and the delay, the warming up, the momentum shifting and all that goes into that. Yeah, it probably would have. I mean, we had a bit of a chat about it as coaches as we were walking down into the rooms to, to spend that bit of time with our players. And, and um, fortunately, we were able to, to put a couple on ice, um, including Lance, to because um, we thought that that you know, extended period wouldn't have been good for them to try and get going again for the last five and a half minutes. You wouldn't have had that luxury, obviously, if the, if the scoreboard was a bit different. So that was the importance of making... You know, we, we wanted to make sure we played well. Um, you know, that's a real critical... and element of this you know they were they were fantastic last week the cats so we wanted to make sure we we had to get the job done you still got to get to work as, as significant as what lance's job was you still got to get the job done and and we we're fortunate to be able to do that for most of the game and that gave us that little bit of period at the end there to be able to rest the players and and really enjoy that moment yeah, that may be overshadowed a little bit how well you're actually playing. And every time I hear you talk, it's about contested ball and you, you were impressed by what Geelong did last week in that space. You, 
your balance and your want and your aggression around the football last night and your ability to win ground balls was as good as I've seen. Is that the most impressive aspect so far of the way you've started the season? Oh, we, we, we want to play all facets of the game well, and that's offence, defence, contested ball, and those transition moments, we, we want to make sure we... We get all of that right, and um, you know I've been really pleased with our younger players coming in and playing key roles. I mean, Chad Warner came in last night after missing the first game and um, and played a key role for us. Millsy, those guys, um, you know, there's there's some depth there that we we're confident with, and um, they were able to match Geelong in contested ball. I mean, it wasn't until we probably dropped away in that last five and a half minutes, to be honest, with our contested footy. But up until then, I think we were, we were in front and. And that was really important, given that's a real strength of the Cats. Paddy McCartan, he had five intercept marks in about the first ten minutes. I think he ended up with seven or eight for the game. He's just fitted in beautifully. Yeah, he has. I mean, he's, um, I said last night, he's only played two AFL games in defence. And so he's still learning the caper. And um, we've still got Nick Blakey and Braden Campbell and some guys down there that are still learning it. And, And Paddy's no different, even though he's played a little bit more footy and a bit older. Um, but he was he was really good last night. I mean, he he's, um, was really calm and composed and clean and um, was able to repel some opposition attacks forward, which was really important by going through his marks and was able to turn defence into attack. And, um, yeah, I thought he, thought he played pretty well last night. There was so much offensive play uh, for the Swans. It, it was hard not to look at the, the, the way you brought the ball forward. But if you drill into it, Geelong went inside forward 50, 65 times and, and your defence stood up to that and repelled it time and time again. Yeah, that's right. And they, yeah, that's right. I mean, we, they went, did go in too many times. We wouldn't want that to happen. They kicked 10 goals, 7, yeah. 8. And so, you know, there's, there's, still, there's always improvement areas. Um, and, um, you know, that's, as coaches, that's our job. We're in, in the office today and... and um, and working for areas to improve, you, you never stop. And we've got to, you've got to, you know, we'll find some areas out of that game for sure to get better at, which we'll have to against the doggies who, you know, they missed some shots last the other night as well in the last five minutes. And otherwise, the scoreboard might have been a dip, bit different in that game as well. So always areas to improve. And Isaac Heaney's made a, a stellar start to the season, John. Is the five goals, the two at the end of the first half, just felt so critical. Um, he's landed. Mm. He's landed well in the season. Yeah, Jared, he's, um, yeah, he's, he, he's had a, as I've said before, uh, some really tough injuries over the journey that has meant that, you know, even when he's, he's missed, missed a significant period of time, which he did two years ago, uh, with his ankle, he's also played at, at different times with significant injuries that not many people know about. And, um, and, and fortunately he's able to get a pretty good pre-season and we're seeing the benefits of that now and, and you know, I'm just hoping that it continues with his body because once he's, he works so hard at his game, he's a real pro and he's got a you know, touch of class as well, which helps and if you get those two right with a good run of injuries, it makes a big difference and I think we're seeing that at the moment. Honest question and it's, and it's not in any way leading but only because played in teams that knew this, your boys appear to know that they are good. I mean, we've seen them rise, but it looks like there is confidence if they work the right way, they know they can get re- to really to the sharp end if they work hard. Well, I guess it's um, it's a, always a, the combination of confidence versus reality. And, and um, I love that what the young fellas bring to the team in regards to confidence. I, I get tough. I really enjoy that side of it, but you've also got to manage it with the hard-nosed realities of what Kennedy and Parker and these guys, Lance, really know, and that means 
you know, they, they understand that it's it's tough to be a really good team every week. You know, you, there is a bit of a grind to it. You have to you have to really embrace that. And um, and so I, I enjoy seeing those blokes pass on their knowledge to, to the younger players. And, you know, that mix is always great to see, the excitement of youth and um, and the way that they attack the game from week to week, the way they really enjoy the whole experience and, and the hard-nosed pros saying that, you know, it's it's a tough game and we've got to make sure we respect our opponents every week and, and keep working hard and you know, that balance is really good to see and hopefully that continues as well. John, thanks for your time this morning. Well done. A, a memorable night in the history of footy and particularly in Sydney. So thanks for sharing it with us. No worries. Thanks, Jared. Thanks, guys. John Longmire, the coach of the Sydney Swans. Paddy McCartan as well, he's going to be a better story by the week, you feel. And he's only going to get better at it. Five intercept marks in the first quarter alone. Just That is a real watch this space for one of the great stories, I reckon. Sammy, we found the culprit who's got the ball. I think we may yes. have on social media. Yes, we have. A tweet has emerged. No, you're right, uh, Kane. It is out there. He's uh, he's taken a spectacular mark too. Dived over a couple of rows of seats and face planted on the concrete. So he's certainly been made to earn it. But he has his hand on the footy. It has been tweeted. His last words in the video were, I've got to get out of here. <laughs> he said, I've got the pill and I've got to get out of here. I've got but to get out of here. Someone's going to know him. So you can't get away with anything these days. Everyone no. had their phones out last night. No, surely no, common sense prevails here. He fronts up to the club. The club do the right thing. He hands the ball back, but it's a, it's a bit of fun at all. Isn't to it? get out of that ground, he would have needed Cyril Rioli's <laughs> evasive qualities, you'd imagine. Mind you, everyone's going yeah, that way. Stands he's going to the exits. Yeah. He's already, the tide. You just had to wait for them and then sneak out the he's back. A, he's in one of those safe houses already, I reckon. Witness protection. <laughs> Last night is worthy of a fair bit of analysis, so we'll do that yeah. with Kane Corns and Dermot Brereton next. How good were the Swans, and what does it open for them? That They've lifted the horizon through the first couple of weeks and Geelong not nearly the side that they looked like in that opening round so what did last night tell us about the trajectory of the Cats you're listening to Crunch Time brought to you by the Isuzu D-Max is born to live look our game in the contest was superb last week and poor tonight and that's a big swing um, against a quality team like Sydney so I think every, every team in the AFL you're going to have, have nights where you sort of have um, reason to kind of question some of the things you're, you're doing, but if we're a little like, cleaner with the ball, it would have changed a lot. Chris Scott's quick reaction to the events of last night. Gil McLaughlin's just released a statement congratulating Lance Franklin and everybody concerned. Last night at the SCG was one of the best moments I have ever seen in football. The supporters at the ground shared in the milestone. I thank them for celebrating in the right way. To watch all the footage coming through this morning reminds us why we have the greatest fans in the world. Buddy, on behalf of the AFL, we congratulate you. Last night was memorable for all the right reasons and our game thanks you for everything you have done and are still yet to achieve. And because of the modern technological world we live in, there's just so much to savour. The, the fan, I've got the pill, I've got to get out of here. Chad Warner, who's captured right in the throng of it just ignored rather boisterously I kicked it to him the TikTok of one of the first fans to arrive there and the, the quite superb shot of Ollie Florent and Chad Warner just wandering around outside the SCG in full garb like lost souls <laughs> I reckon the game needed it a little bit and you know, I've 
I've listened to you uh, the last fortnight, or, or certainly since round one, talking about the crowds, Jared, and underwhelming crowds and under expectations that the AFL would have wanted, and there's various reasons for that, um, all of which you've sort of speculated on that have varying degrees of, of accuracy, I would say. That just goes to show footy's better when you're there. Like, everyone would have been jealous not been there last night, and, and I don't reckon we've had that feeling recently. You sort of almost think, oh, well, I've got my big screen TV, I've got amazing analysis and stats, and I'm in front of my heater, and I can watch footy just as, as good as it's there. It's not as good at home, and that proved it last night. I, I wanted my eyes on Franklin the whole time. I didn't want to be watching the ball go up and down my TV screen. You can't do that if you're not at the ground. So I reckon, I don't know if it's a turning point in moving on or whether... You know, it's the celebration that we needed just to remind us how good our game is and how good our game is to be there live. And the AFL would be loving this. So that's one point. And the other thing we can put put to bed, and you know, I'm I'm the biggest opponent to long term contracts perhaps ever. The contracts are success. So we we can't, uh, and I don't think there's many that would say that it's not. So I'm, you know, I'm, I realise it's an argument against probably itself. I don't think there's many that would say, oh, that the nine year deal hasn't worked. But there were times throughout the nine year deal where we were saying, well, he hasn't got a premiership. He's missed a couple of seasons with injury. Uh, it's cost them to to lose a few players because of salary cap pressure. What that has done for football in Sydney, the contract is a success. So let's put those uh, two things on the agenda this morning. I reckon. Just a little aside to this. Do you reckon there's any part of Gil McLaughlin this morning, Kane, that thought, is there the possibility on certain occasions for the second siren and fans to run on and kick yeah. the footy around our parks? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And I think Jared Kingy was with you on this, um, on the means test. And how do we get fans back to the footy? And there was those curtain raises, he said, and then getting fans back on the ground um, and getting fans to hang around to the final siren. Um, that that's got to come back, I think, and, and maybe not every week, maybe, and maybe not every ground. But I think there's something absolutely, and and I know COVID, COVID's ruined a lot of things. So they may cite COVID as a reason that we can't mingle out there on the grounds, but that's got to be on the agenda of the AFL. Absolutely, it's a good point. One Pre- of the US reactions yeah. was sport is back. This is this shows mm. how sport mm. is back around the world. So mm. it is. It's it's the right, it's the right moment at the right time. I think. Zach Tui spoken, uh, Jared. Yes. Geelong have uh, put something up. We'll grab the audio in a moment. But it were, I'm not sure if it was a wallet or a phone. It was a set of keys that the uh, the punter that he'd flattened Zach Tui had uh, spilled out of his pocket. And uh, Zach said, I've chased after him. I've grabbed him by the collar to give him back his keys. I think he thought I was going after him. <laughs> Only for him to turn around and go, here's your keys to your Volvo, mate. You left him on the half-forward flank. Chose to make contact. Will he need to answer a case at the did, tribunal? Did he brace? Or did he bump? <laughs> it's careless, and you'd have to say at least medium impact. Yeah, high, low impact, yeah. <laughs> um, so, of the teams, what, what what most strikes you about Sydney through these first two games? Because those two combined, uh, so we recognise Melbourne as the benchmark, the two best performances are the two Sydney mm. wins, I think. The thing that strikes me, and a little bit about Carlton too, we're always looking for affirmation. Have they improved? This is real. Sydney are real now. We knew last year that they had that that smattering of the older players who were very, as Horst described them, hard-nosed veterans, and they got some really talented youngsters. This is real now. Those Those kids believe and know that they are good, and with the right amount of workload, 
the right application on the day, in the given moment, they know that they're capable. And that's a huge thing for Sydney. And I, I call it, it's the moment where you know you are legitimate and real. They're real this year. Kane? All, all of that. So the, the trend that I've noticed, there's a couple of things, but the trend I've noticed of the good teams, and you, know, you can chuck what Carlton have done in the first two weeks, the midfield are ready to go to war at ground level. And that's a, you know, the war analogy is not, not the right term, but they're ready to be fierce at ground level. So when the opposition have got it, the fierceness of Sydney to get it back off them, and they were rattled. Like, I haven't seen you know, an experienced Geelong side um, rattled like that. I wrote down time codes for about seven turnovers in the first 20 minutes of that game, and they were from some, some pretty good players. So the pressure that Sydney applied, but also... Uh, and I mentioned it with John, that that plus 13 contested ball in the first quarter. And that's clearly been a focus of theirs. And any Sydney player you interviewed in the off-season, they said, well, we've got to get better at contested because we were found out in the final against the Giants. And John Longmire's hot on it. And that's why I sort of wanted to ask him about that. So their balance around the ball. Um, and when we speak a lot about contested ball, but what does it actually mean? It's when there is a ball in dispute, one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three, six-on-six, Who's going to put your head over it and win it? And a couple of times, Parfit fumble. You know, you're going to go in the centre bounce, you can't fumble. And he fumbled twice and then bang, Sydney are away. So it wasn't necessarily them winning the first possession off Ruckman's hands, but ball in dispute, uh, as good a performance I've seen from a midfield in terms of their balance around it. Trust your teammate to go and win it. The rest sort of sit out. So if the teammate does win it, handball, bang, gone, gone. And that's what Carlton have done so well in the first two weeks of the season. So there's been a jump in intensity for me from the best sides around the footy. And if you want to be good, be fierce around the ball. And Sydney were fierce around the footy last night. Inside 50s for the Cats. They fumbled. Couldn't believe how often Geelong fumbled. Well, Mm. playing into that, how much they fumbled, I was staggered. They only had 40 tackles mm. on the stat sheet, mm. Sydney. I mean, mm. sometimes stats can tell you so much about the game, but sometimes it belies what you're seeing. I felt like they were a 75 tackle mm. per match team last night, 40. But their pressure applied, the harassment is why the inside 50, 65 to Geelong, they blast kicked it in there a lot of the time because they were under so much heat. They just said, it's got to get out of this area. I'm under so much duress. They blasted it forward and Sydney were able to pick it off. The McCartan brothers did a wonderful job aerially um, and, and goes back to that tackle count. I was staggered it was only at 40. And they had so much of the footy and their harassment was so high, it felt like they owned the game under pressure. So what did you think of Geelong? Uh, Geelong are going to be good. There's no doubt about that. They just looked thin in the midfield when Dangerfield didn't get them off to a good start. There were moments when he tore away from the pack in the last three quarters. I went, well, right, he's on here. As we know, for a champion of the game, he's not the world's best kick and he didn't kick it to advantage. There was one where he tore away to the left side of screen and probably could have given it wider as well. He had the tunnel vision on. He wanted to drive it forward and be the reason why they get back into it. That's understandable. He's a, he's a, a player who seizes the moments. They'll be fine. And I think Parfit, you know, he said a couple of fumbles and the likes. Um, he's a good player. They're, they still have an issue. I saw Segler was was um, emergency, which means he's close. Reese Stanley, his best footy, if he can produce his best footy, he's a lock forever. But he doesn't always produce a bit. Well, it's not all that forthcoming. So they've still got an issue there. Uh, down 
down back, they're solid-ish still. So, look, they're going to be a good team, but are they Melbourne-esque at the moment? No. SEN Tire Power Tipping is back. Play SEN Tire Power Tipping and join for your chance to win weekly prizes, including the major prize of $5,000. Sign up now at tipping.sen.com.au. More of crunch time for the Isuzu D-Max is born to live next. Welcome back to Crunch Time, brought to you by the Isuzu D-Max is born to live. Dermot Brereton and Kane Corns in place, Jared Waitley and Sam Edmonds. We're living in the moment of Buddy Franklin from last night, what it means to the coder, and savouring all the clips that are emerging along the way, of which in the next hour there's bound to be even more. <laughs> I've got the pill I'm light. getting out of here. <laughs> That's outstanding. Have we put them up for our listeners if they wanted to say, have we got them anywhere? Sure. Or they, they can search They them. are. They're on yeah. the SEN website as we speak, well, SN.com.au. So have the Eagles caught a plane and were there enough of them? We, uh, John Longmire was doing a head count last night. Is Adam Simpson would have been counting a few he hasn't, uh, didn't necessarily recognise. Spare a thought for, uh, for Simo, don't you? They're in the air at the moment, Jared West Coast, or at least they've got the West Coast uniforms <laughs> on. Um, there are some strangers on that flight, it's fair to say. There are some players that Adam Simpson has never met until now. There are some players who haven't trained with the side and they're going to pull on a jumper for the club in an official AFL game. So... 12 players are missing from the already undermanned round one squad, which took it up to Gold Coast. Now, 11 of those 12 are absent through health and safety protocols. Andrew Gaff has got a foot injury at the worst possible time. So of those 12 ins, Jack Williams, Callum Jamison, Aaron Black, the waffle Aaron Black, Stefan Giro and Angus DeWar will play for West Coast for the first time. And it's Ainsworth, Black, Giro and DeWar that are the four COVID contingency top-up players that have been called in. Now, even the top-up players, Jared, that are on the West Coast list, a lot of them have got COVID yeah. at the moment as well. So they're getting absolutely smashed, West and, Coast. And for Hawthorne supporters, you will know Angus Dewar. He is formerly Angus Litherland. So he was, I think he was emergency in the one of the premiership teams, 2014 or 15, from memory. So Dewar's yeah. the pronunciation. Apologies, I said Dewar. Okay, yeah. So I like spoken, the Scotch. Yes. <laughs> I'm tipping he's got the, Scottish ancestry some back there. Spoken yeah. with the AFL, Jared. Now, the league, again, absolutely steadfast. This game's going ahead. It will happen, and it will happen as fixtured. So tomorrow, Sunday, Marvel Stadium, one 10. So even if they test positive again this morning, they're just going to keep topping them up. Keep topping them up. Keep sending top players up. over. Keep sending players over. The so game's if happening. you're out in the Essendon districts and you feel you... might be a chance. You, you, they'll have to get them from somewhere. Pop, Could pop you? into the AFL store, buy an Eagles jumper. Oh, hey. <laughs> go, go for a high number, put it in the 60s. I used to have mates who'd turn up on Boxing Day in their cricket boots. And the, the running joke, we'd, we'd catch the train up from Frankston and the running joke when people looked at us in your cricket boots and you'd say, oh, just in case they're short. You know, so it'll get to us. almost that situation. So we knew this was the plan uh, and... I think the plan is solid to play on at all costs well. until you hit the reality and go, well, so what worth is this game now on Sunday, Kane? What, what worth is it putting up a shell team to play a game? Well, it's you're honouring your commitment to the broadcaster, isn't it? And that's seemingly what it is about um, once you start delaying games. Now, I'm not exactly sure, Sammy, what West Coast COVID protocols are in terms of WA and, and what the rules are. It changes all the time. It just changed for us in South Australia from 10 to 7 days yesterday. I'm not sure if that's the case 
in WA. So, you know, are they available next week, these players? So to delay it doesn't really do anything. And then you sort of catch up. So the AFL said we're playing on, so we're playing on. Does it make it a legitimate season, though, is what I would ask you back. And if it wasn't West Coast and if it was... Melbourne, or if it was someone who, you know, I don't think many of us are thinking West Coast will feature late in this season with where they're at and the injuries that they've had and the off-season they've had, but if it was a team more in front of us um, and a team that is more contending that had this happen, would there be more of an outcry? Is it a legitimate season now if this starts to happen continually? Well, the issue that the clubs have got over there is that they're, they're living now what Victorian-based clubs lived in January and and Mm. through no fault of their own, just where they're based, of course, and the way the state has chosen to approach the pandemic. So what what they're living now is exactly what was happening during the summer months here when the the teams were preparing. But, geez, I know know a lot of water's gone under the bridge since then, but it's not that long ago. You remember a time when they wouldn't let West Coast and Fremantle train in the interests of equity when we suspended our competition here. You couldn't train in groups of 10 or more over there even though they didn't have a single case. So is it... Is it a hypocritical message from the AFL that, that we're now ploughing on regardless, whereas we, and we know more now, but back only a, a couple mm. of years ago, they couldn't even train in the interests of fairness, let alone play uh, with 12 players available. Yeah, the NBA and the NFL have been through this, so it was almost farcical their season, I'm going to say, uh, four or five months ago. Now they're not really testing anymore. So we're, this is probably the last season touch wood and extra variants and all that and the experts can debate that that we start that we continually test players daily it's it seems seems a little bit extreme you know to walk into the club and still be doing a test every day so if you're sick you stay home and you don't play rather than test every day i don't think we're that far away from that point and and some may disagree with that and that's okay everyone can have their opinion but this time next year i can't imagine there's a situation where there's going to be 13 players withdrawing Mm. if some of those are feeling fine You'd like to think we normalise it even more, don't we, as the years go on. So I'll put it like this to you, Jared. I'll ask you this way. It's round two. Do the AFL allow this game to go ahead if it's a grand final? So, well, we know the answer to that because the AFLW final series was delayed because Collingwood hit this exact scenario. Now, they didn't have access to the same level of top-up player, but whatever they were going to put out there. So the AFL wasn't prepared to compromise the women's finals but it is prepared to compromise in, in round two. So to Kane's question, Sunday's not a legitimate game. It, it remains mm. a legitimate season until you get a critical mass of, uh, of teams being affected across multiple weeks. So if you can write it out one week here and one week there, I get that. That's what the NFL did. The Broncos didn't have a quarterback. Yeah. Bad luck. Just go yeah. out and play. We need the game to be played. Is and we'll figure it out though? at the end. Yeah. So if, it, if it's... Let's say it's a team fighting for eight spot, and you can pluck you can pluck six teams. If it's Collingwood, if it's St Kilda, um, whoever it is, is it the Giants? If they're playing against West Coast as well, now now the fact it's almost perfect for this to happen because North Melbourne we, we don't think are going to feature in finals, and it's not going to be the difference, you know, four points. But look at, towards the end of last season where eleven games got you eight spot, 11 games. And if you're lucky enough to play against the Eagles with 13 of their best players out, the season is is legitimate, but it's compromised. And we know what this looks like from the Big Bash League is Mm. Melbourne Stars missed the finals because they had to play two games with a pub team. That's it. Is if either of those games are pushed back far enough to get their team back, the likelihood is is they qualify for the final. So it, it was a differentiating factor. It's just we don't follow the BBL like that. So it doesn't mm. become the 
Well, is this, does this really stack up in terms of integrity and what you're trying to achieve? We will in the AFL. We absolutely will in the AFL if it becomes a scourge across winter with, um, with multiple teams. On the players' perspective, the, we know the transaction. The, literally, in, in crude terms, the club makes a contract with you and you play for money and you are expected to perform to your best for that contract. But there comes a time when you feel you will be hobbled by the circumstances, what are we playing for? We have been hobbled in four games out of the, the first 11 and we've only won a couple of the... We can't make finals and you've lost hope and you're not a bad team. Mm. There comes a time when you, you actually will ask yourself, what am I playing for? Yes, you're, playing, you're on a contract and you're expected to do that, but league footballers need hope to succeed, to actually give their ultimate, their all, their best on any given day. I hope and I pray we don't get to that at some stage with the Eagles. Yep, yep. Um, so just, just to find the question right down, should this game be going ahead on Sunday, Kane? Yes, yes. I think they've, I think they've done the right thing. Um, but, you know, I think we've all got sympathy for um, the Eagles <laughs> in this one. But, yeah, it should. We've got to play through, and we knew that. While we find our way through, we're, we're up to our ankles in this at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Until we get waist deep, or as approaching waist deep. <laughs> I, I was going to say, what's we... waist deep then? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is up to the eyeballs. Well, this is the it? first one. So I'm saying we're up to the ankles in what could be the entire scenario. Yeah. I think we must push on now. But you wouldn't want it to happen two more weeks in a row. That that's around waist deep, I think. And seven days, I think, Kane, to answer your question. Is so it? seven yeah. day full isolation period in WA at the moment. Uh, is there any eight day turnarounds for them? You might give it all to them yeah. on the on the so expiration it, it of is one interesting. game. Interesting is I think their expectation is it will go through most of the rest of the group. So the Derby is next. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the this is what the PA were grappling with is. How long are you out for? So your seven days is the compulsory period, but what physical toll Mm. does it take? Is Are you ready after 10 days to play in a derby and the likes? So should players be out there? How It will be different for each player. Mm. So they will be compromised, um, doubtless, in round three. Never mind that there might be more players who are covered by a seven-day period. How would you? So, if you're Adam Simpson, you have to embrace the absurdity of it. Absolutely. Don't you? And so that's that's sort of an easy sell, isn't it? Is you're walking up and down the aisles, laughing with your players about, you know, who are you again? It's, you couldn't play it up enough to to get that spiritual lift, could I, you? I know. I, I I recall Alan Jeans way too much, and I perhaps should, but I can re- recall times. In, in my early years when Lee was out injured and his address would start off, who expects us to win today? Who could possibly think that you boys would win against Carlton today without the great Lee Matthews, without the great Peter Knights at centre, without, and he'd list three or four. Who could possibly expect us to reign here? To, and and you go, oh, I'll show you, I'll show you. <laughs> Probably got beaten from memory, but, but that was the way you say embrace the absurdity mm. yeah so you, you must take it and at least turn it into a a moral positive as you run out on the ground yeah i mean some of these boys uh, who are getting a game and they're they're mature-ish players aren't they oh, yeah they're, they're never, mm. apart from these are great moments apart for these from Dewar at litherland uh 
this is the greatest moment in their sporting careers. So Aaron Black's 30, rising 30, he's been a waffle veteran for more than a decade, won all the awards he can win just about in the waffle. Suddenly, he's playing for West Coast. Overlooked said, however many times. As I said last night, it's their Rocky Balboa yeah. moment when he first comes to into the ring to fight Apollo Creed. So when they give him his jumper uh, tomorrow, what's your name? Tell us something about yourself as we go around the room. On the other side of it, they shouldn't be swept under. They've made some they've made some big omissions, David Noble. Uh, so a lot of talk about the three tools. Well, Callum Coleman-Jones is out. Now, they gave up a fair bit to get him. From memory, Sammy, it was a four-year deal in the off-season. Yep. And Key Ford and, and But they had and to... Good. They- yeah, good money. They thought. had to. They had yeah. to drop it. I know they sold him the dream and they sold him the vision, and, and the coach was a big part of that. But uh, Cherry and Goldstein are undroppable at the moment. Yeah, and he was all for four, four touches. Yeah. But that's that's a that's a big one. That mm. You've you've targeted this guy. You've paid him big money. He lasted one game. Stevenson is out and didn't even make the squad when those were, were announced. And, and Tom Power is out as well. One of their brightest young midfielders from last year. So, and and Mackay's injured. So there's not all smooth sailing against their opposition. I mean, the pressure levels have intensified on this group. You know, you know, a pass score is probably to win by seven goals, isn't it? Mm. It is, and that's oh, David Noble. Yes, you take the breaks when you get them, but you wouldn't want to muck this up. No, <laughs> and he was he was he was filthy on the lack of discipline last week as well, and he sheeted a lot of that home to the senior group, the leadership group, and said, you guys fix this because we need to move on from this. The competition's moved on. We can't be having free kicks reversed and such in the middle of a game when we've got momentum. Kane, did you just say he can't muck this up? Do you feel they are that over the line already? Oh, damn. They're playing against... Uh, West Coast Thanks, already had, had their issues, like, Significant yes, ones with the like, so the players that are coming back in, they're they're good names, but Luke Shuey's ha- hardly played. Jack Darling has hardly played, and I can't imagine he's even had a practice game yet. Uh, a lot of the names, you know, I don't know. Tim Kelly hasn't played a lot of, so they're they're good names, but they're thirty pluses who haven't played a lot of football. They're playing at home. They're year three into a rebuild. We're expecting some improvements. You have and disappointing, so disappointing against Hawthorne, a team in that if you line them up on development stakes, they should have been more competitive last week and probably should have won. So, oh, if he drops this, whew. I'm just having a look through this. Too. One of the abnormalities here, and <laughs> as you would understand, gentlemen. When you bring these COVID players onto the list, they can't take Nick Natanui's number. They can't take, you know, number no, one. Yeah. That's a good point. We have players <laughs> capable of being listed in number 63. He's an emergency oh, Schumacher. Dude. Pearson is in number 62. Oh, when was the last time we saw a 63 take the field uh, yeah. at AFL level? The, the, what, yeah, Shades of the Waterboy, isn't it? We got a 52. <laughs> Should we got a Sean Wren out there? Declan Mountford's in the 52. 52. But 63? Yes, that's getting right up there. So what I want to know, Kane, is when you come to run your eye over the Eagles, do all the top-up players get a free pass, either in the way that they celebrate or the way they conduct themselves or the way they commit to a contest? If, do they all they, a free pass? they get given a if GoPro? They, Win this game, they can have as many, they can have a GoPro each. This will be one of the greatest <laughs> achievements. I take as many GoPros as you want. This will be one of the best wins I've ever seen. And yes, they get absolutely. I'm hardly going to feature a top up player on Footy Classified or, or take a close eye to them, Jared. I, I won't be. I'm not that mean. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. And Thursday night, Carlton 
Um, beautiful ring mastery again, Sam, is just those th blues on the Thursday night into Friday they morning is all rather up, perfect. Them down. Uh, how much substance to it, Kane? Uh, you wanted to see them do it twice. Yeah, they I backed did. it up and did it again. Oh, and emphatically too, like against against good opposition. So, you know, I'm not I'm not quite prepared to go all all in and talk about you know top four and, and things like that. I'm just gonna just gonna hold back on that. But they've ticked everything that you could want. Um, and to see the key forwards working in unison, Mackay and Kerno for you know the first time in a long time um, was so exciting. Uh, and the midfield we've spoken about a lot. But what, as I said, it was similar to Sydney. The brutality around the football is what's striking me at the moment. Um, and I haven't seen a desire and an effort and an intensity from a Carlton side in a, in a long, long time. So I, I'm, if you're a Carlton fan, you should the, the lid should be a little bit off about what this group can achieve, albeit they've got a lot of players that have significant injury history. So if, if they get a good run with injury and, and things go well like it did for, for Melbourne last year and your key players um, are sound, I'm really confident that they can um, certainly win a final and my pass score for them was to make the finals. But then if you look at you know McGovern and Cripps has been injured, Mackay and Kernow and Fisher, they do have a lot of players that have historically broken down. Um, so I just hope they get a good run at it from a health point of view. And if that is the case... They've got all those pieces in place to, to be you know to win a lot of games of footy this year. The study is the second quarter from Thursday night. The way Carlton were able to bring the ball off their half back line and not mm. unchallenged, but but were able to bring it forward at express pace and getting depth inside the forward fifty penetrations was something that and having said this, there's not many key backmen who do like the ball coming in on that pace. Keith Gardner and Cordy could not control their opponents with that much pace on the ball coming forward into the into the forward line. And even the way it came out, sometimes you, you get young players who come into the game and before you regiment their 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 shine for the game, their love for the game out of them and they become robotic, they give you something which you say, gee, I hope we can have that, and then you coach it out of them, you train it out of them. McGovern is a forward turned back and the amount of times he took the game on a la Sam Frost. Where am I going? I don't know, but I'm going. <laughs> and it created confusion in the Bulldogs' backman at the other end, and McGovern just took off. And, and I loved that in his game. There was an uncertainty that the dogs further afield had to deal with, and they couldn't deal with it. And that's where I say, once again, no backman likes the ball coming forward like that. But the depth also in the Carlton midfield, without Chera, Walsh comes back, and their setup, their their designation of roles within that Carlton midfield now is spot on. Uh, helps having Cripps 100% fit too, mm. apart from mm. a bang around the head or so. And I, in fact, I, I would say, you'd almost say, don't hit him, don't b bust him open, don't bleed him. He'll find a bit of strength out of that. Just leave him be. He's such a wonderful player. And if, gee, you look forward to, at the end of the season, if 24... Brownlow votes wins the wins the Brownlow. He's twenty five percent of the way there. Patrick Cripps already. Yeah, he's got six. another twenty games to mm. bang on, twenty something point around twenty points. He's been extraordinary, and he's loving the support in those numbers in, in the midfield. But that second quarter pace on the ball out of their own back line was something that would have pleased every Blues supporter. Why didn't Lockie O'Brien get fined for staging, Sam? 
It's a very, very good question. It was, um, it was staging. It wasn't excessive staging, Jared, to use the AFL's terminology. Who determines so that? It's a shot across the bow. This is the MRO statement came Lucky's out. Lucky's bow. Uh, sorry, Lucky's bow shot across his bow. It, exactly. Well, right. I think it is because yeah, I think it is because the AFL. It's their way of saying oh, we we we're onto this. We know you're doing it. Some could argue it's the second week in a row he's done it. This time, almost fabricated contact, not exaggerated. <laughs> but uh, it wasn't exaggerated, hence there was no fine, Jared. So he gets off. Yeah, I, I thought it was... I don't like seeing that. Then blokes who really do get banged, and the umpire says, no, I'm not falling for that again. It's, it's like the, it's the, the equivalent of the bloke who sneaks and walks, and then the next time he sneaks and doesn't walk. But it's a habit I for some players, like isn't it? it. Some players, like it's a it. habit, and they've just got it. It's almost instinctive. Is I it think. a habit? And I think so. Yeah, I think some players almost do it's it. a habit for junior footballers. I'm not saying it should be. I just think it's some, some players, I think it's habitual. It, it, it's just instinctive. They, they want to feel, they almost think they're going to get the contact. They don't. Their head goes back. I tell you who will stamp it out. Michael Voss, he won't put up with that. No, mm. no. Yeah, and, that's, and that's a good point. And, and so, is that the AFL admitting that it was a poor decision from the umpire as well, or because I've seen screen, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've seen screenshots, and I know you love a good screenshot, Jared. You chatted about that on AFL 360 during the week, where his actual arm is making contact with the with the face, but screenshots can do sort of optical illusions. So the, the AFL are saying that's that's a poor decision from Brett Rosebery. Just with the MRO, Nick Blakey reported last night as well, match day report for a hit on Jeremy Cameron in a marking contest. Now, the obvious precedent. So this is Sam Draper. He's Sam Draper. There's mm. no way he goes for this. So this Sam will be a less fine. Force. Yeah, less yeah, force than yeah, Sam Draper. A fine at worst. Yeah, because Radigalia, am I right in saying, left the ground for a period of time. Yeah, he was off for 12 to 15 minutes. Right. And I think, as my understanding, was Jeremy Cameron was fine last night. So. Would it be, would it be a, a proper and right scenario if the AFL came out the football department, uh, Scotty came out, came out uh, post that decision, that determination, and said, you know what, we've reviewed this. Let's not see it again next week because we reckon Sam Draper's been really fortunate here. Could, could you make that statement? You could, but why you just wouldn't give him the week and make the statement? Oh, that's gone. I, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. So they had we're, the moment. We're in heated agreement yeah. there. Uh, but let's just do this and say to any player who wants to punch a player in the stomach... We're going to nail you for it. And yep. if you think you can explain your way out of it, go for it. Best of luck to you. But this is our standard. So yep. they have invited Blakey's punch last night, and they will invite a punch later this weekend, and they will endorse a punch the following week. Is They just missed their moment. Yep. And they should have learned their lesson from last, last year when year. they missed the Asprey elbow, and we got a spate of elbows yes. which sullied this season. I think big Joey Danaher threw one as well shortly after. But, yeah, they, they, there was an opportunity there. Well, of all the reports last week, you're going to say Rory one... Sloan, eh? No. Oh, no. Rory included. Well, Rory's intentional and who... Draper isn't. That was, I couldn't get there over that. There is one player who had intent to harm the opposition. The others were circumstantial, at moments going for the ball, at moments going, oh, I'm, I'm in the wrong spot here, cover up, I absorb that, whatever. There was one player who had intent and malice to hurt the opposition, mm. and he's the only one who got off. <laughs> Head scratching. Head scratching. Any concern on the Bulldogs at zero and two with the Swans on Thursday night, Kane? Yeah, I think there has to be, and I think there'd be some level of concern. Is it is it game style? Is it personnel? Uh, it's probably a little bit of personnel, but I'm not sure those issues are going to be solved. I mean, as as Derm alluded to, their key defenders uh, look 
in all sorts. And Alex Keith was one of those who just completely looked like he couldn't play one-on-one. So there's that end of the ground and their key position stocks there. And then there's the other ground where you just have to play Hugo Hagen. Now, I thought there was enough there, you know, provided he he produces what's required to be on the field from a competitiveness point of view. But there was enough there to think, yeah, I, I, I saw him push back hard. And, and Derm, you'd be the expert to talk about body contact in the forward line. But he was a bit more aggressive. He wasn't running under the football. And then when he did get his brief moment, he thought, oh, Wow, who's this? Who's this? And he, he kicked one and missed one, and missed a couple. But so I think you persist with him. Um, you know, I'd love to see some more ruck support. And we've spoken about that for a while. And, and Martin comes back in, but can't stay sound. So Tim English can go forward and provide a target. But um, I was impressed by their second half and and the pressure that they were able to apply apply on Carlton that was missing in the first half that forced them to turn over the footy. And if they kick straight late, you know, the result may have been they missed four pretty pretty um, much shitters in the last sort of 10 minutes. So if, we, if, they, if they nail them, it's a different conversation. They're going to win a lot of games, but there'd be some concern about personnel, uh, particularly their key, key position stocks. Alex Keith, you mentioned a few things there and wholeheartedly agree. Alex Keith was gathered to the club to be an intercept defender who could kick the ball for a tall, yeah. big man. He could kick the ball beautifully. Because of necessity, he's been asked to fill a role that he wasn't recruited for. They've asked him to be the big pig down back and take on the big pigs of the opposition forward. And he doesn't want to do that. He just looked like he was overpowered by, by McKay last, last Thursday night. So he's got a role he doesn't want. It concerns me, the Eugle Hagen, he's a talent... His knowledge of the game is not ready for league football yet. His talent is, but his knowledge of when to go, how to go, reading the play, uh, he, even the mark he took, I think somebody got a free kick from it and turned around and kicked a goal. He marked the ball behind his head from a two-foot jump. I don't think he's quite ready just yet. You're with us on Crunch Time at a beautiful sunny MCG kicking around the issues in footy right now. We are gathered at the MCG. Today's clash between the Pies and the Crows for Dometic Patrol and Icebox with a sense of adventure. Dermot Brereton, Kane Corden, Sam Edmund and Jared Waitley with you. We have revelled in the deeds of Lance Franklin, spoken to John Longmire. We'll set up what's to come in round two. I don't feel like we've finished our Bulldogs conversation, though. I don't want to cut it short. Is Sam, you're about to chime in. I've got some sympathy for Keithy, to be honest with you. I don't think he's done himself a mischief at all, Jared, as Keithy, Alex <laughs> Because I look at this much-vaunted midfield down there at the kennel. Their last two weeks, first two weeks to open the season, minus 58 contested ball. Minus 58 in two matches. So That's not great. 38 against Carlton. 38 in one match is an extraordinary tally. And 20 in the, the season opener against Melbourne. Now, surely that's an area of concern for Luke Beveridge. They've got to tighten that up there. Their thirst for the contest. Their want at the coalface. And then defensively in that midfield as well to work as hard as they did last year to, to make sure that Alex Keith and company aren't, aren't exposed. That definitely plays played. into... Uh, you get it, the opposition don't have it, mm. but it also plays into the fact that they were very good at stopping the, the opposition's forward movement with the ball out of the opposition's back line to transition forward. They've not been very good in the opening two rounds at... at, at stopping that. So the, when you say are we concerned, I mean, their quality's there, isn't it? That's just a mind, Would that just be a mindset tweak? Yes, yes. Just, just chatting off air, Brucey is a much bigger loss than we... Th- we thought he was a substantial loss. He's a much bigger loss to them than that. And the fact... 
Norton is a star. He's my number one pick. If you said start a team, I think I've told you that before. Start a team tomorrow, you can have pick for anybody. Given the age, given the way he plays, he's my number one pick. But he needs somebody who's smart enough to not take their opponent to his contest. He needs somebody else who's going to be dangerous enough to draw the footy occasionally so the second, third defender doesn't peel off onto him and double-team him. He needs a clever footballer up there. Josh Bruce was that player and a worker and dangerous. Jamari Hagen is a dangerous, skilled player without AFL footy smarts. So how, how would you coach him now? I'd try and get them separate some way. It's just some way. It's too hard to try and say, right, he's full forward, he's the deep forward, and you play somewhere near him so you can be dangerous around goals. He will end up gravitating to the ball, which gravitates its way to Norton. So he will take his opponent to that contest. I'd almost be tempted to say, you know what? It's not your go totally, but I want you to be the hit-up forward. I want you to be the bloke that hits the wings on the lead and supplies that target and give us that target. And that way you could separate them. You will eventually pick it up. I do believe in time into the player on field. But at the moment you're taking a bit of pain saying he's, he's a circulating inside forward 50 target player because he is cutting across Aaron Norton. I made mention to you before, just off air, the most difficult minutes of my career I ever played was when I was having a rest next to Jason Dunstall. He's drawing the footy, and if I wanted to be dangerous, I had to go to the footy as well. But I didn't want to take my opponent there. I didn't want to take away his best chance one-on-one. So to be dangerous and not cut across the area where the ball's going to, it's so difficult and it requires knowledge of the sport. And Jamara's not at that stage just yet. Yeah. Cody Waitman's well, the other night, so kicked 26. Yeah, you go, Kane. Uh, no, Cody Waitman is the other. I mean, they've got a, they've got a lot of good players down on form, yep. don't they? And, and Cody, we'll, we'll give Cody Waitman some some uh, leeway because it's the most difficult position to play on the field and it, what it would it be his third year and um, but he yep. did kick a lot of goals last year including you know in big games so but players like you know, Bailey Dale and Caleb Daniel and Libba who was better on Thursday night they've got a lot of good players that are out of form as well as well as a couple of their absolute stars that are that are down as well Thursday night looms large though the, on the AFL scheduling on Thursday night's been just about perfect uh, Western Bulldogs take on Sydney and then they've got Richmond. So, look, I don't know what the odds are, Sammy, of starting the season 0-3 and making the finals or starting the season 0-4. and four. I can't imagine it would be great and then it gets a bit easier after that with North Melbourne in round five. But this massive game for them at Marvel where they don't typically lose. Um, they'll start favourites in that game, I would assume, but you know, Sydney are playing as good as anyone. If you, if you lose four, it, it indicates you're a certain type of team. You want 12 to say we've got a chance of making the finals. If you lose four, mm. winning 12 out of 18 is, a, is tough for a team which can't win one inside a month. Yeah, their bar, though, I think is interesting. That's why 0-3 would become a really interesting conversation. They're, mm. they're just a watching brief at 0-2. But they're, they're, they've got to be making top four. So their two grand finals, they won the flag from seventh window and then they made the grand final from fifth. And ultimately the toll of that yep. is that they have to be making top four and they lived last year in the top two and then blew it in the last four weeks of the season. Is Their bar for themselves, never mind the external, their bar for themselves is high. Yes. It, it's time to be making the top four. And if you do slip 0-3, dropping games to teams who are clearly competing for that, 
um, that that becomes a that becomes a hill to climb. Mm. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. They they are a, we know they're a good team and they've got the bones of a good team. The things that are going wrong now are rectifiable, but some of the things are not rectifiable in the immediate. The obvious ones, Brucey and the likes, and um, yeah, but they're a good team. We know that the season went it went a half, it went. 50 minutes too long yep. for them last year, given so, the journey they took. Yeah. The, the holding conversation is, how did they deal with what happened? They were on the cusp of feeling like they could picture themselves holding the cup. That was Luke Beveridge's mm. phrase mm. coming into the season. Mm. That's, the, that's the unknowable for the time being. But that conversation will start if they fall 0-3 or 0-4. You don't want that conversation getting any oxygen either outside or inside mm. is nobody knows how they dealt with it except they seem highly strung coming into the fresh season. Mm. Don't start on a losing streak. Well, Luke's, Luke's yeah, post match round one showed how highly strung yeah. they were, and players reflect the emotions of their coach. It's the it was one of the hardest thing to do, and, and Tim, you, you've got five, so it wasn't that hard for you. But getting <laughs> close without going, Sorry. without getting there, because you know you're so close, and it happened only a couple of times to me, like we kick away in 2014 from making a grand final and then Sydney are awful in the grand final. So you're sitting at home with football depression going, if we just got over, like maybe we could have. And then how do you rebound from that? And the teams that I've been with have typically responded so poorly the following year. Um, so it's a challenge. And Sammy, they're, they're an interesting one because of the players that are out of contract as well at the Western Bulldogs, how they're going to fit them all yep. in. Now, those names... I think they all stay. It, it, I think they all is stay. It, do you think Dunkley stays? Yep. Yeah. Think, so is yeah, English is out, Caleb Daniels out? I think Caleb Daniels really close. English has a decision to make because West Coast have registered an interest and will come hard officially. That that contract certainly hasn't been tabled yet. That's all ahead of him. But and he's oh, that would be nasty. Would they let him do his apprenticeship at the Bulldogs and yeah. then they I mean, look, cherry pick him to home? He's enjoying playing ruck. He lives around the corner from Aaron Norton. They're, they're, they're besties, two, two boys from WA. So he's, he's happy. He wanted to play ruck. He wanted to be the number one ruck. There's no issues there. But at the end of the day, that lure will always be there for him. And he's put off the contract talks just to get some games under his belt back in the ruck as well. Didn't enjoy it at times last year as his management have, have put on the record, but he's in a happy place now. But I think I think they all stay, to be honest with you. And Bailey mm. Smith's the other big one who's had a contract. One of Bailey the, Dale, one of the I think, aspects, as well, isn't he? Yep, all Australian up back, yep. One of the aspects that gets lost in the wash, and we look back to last season, and we talk about how they were performed last season, wonderful on most occasions and it got a little bit long for them and then we look at the year before and that's about as far back as we look 25-ish games you have to take into account the core of this group has been together for 120 games Mm. and sometimes you feel like it's it's a it's a military campaign that you've you've traversed the globe with and sometimes you get really tired emotionally and mentally and you think that might be it, it's not it, but it just mentally gets you down in that moment. If you have enough of those moments, you lose those games, and that becomes a self-fulfilling reality. They are campaigns with these core groups. Um, I still think they've got more to give, and they're in a good age bracket. They should be on the rise. Should be. Should be. They've got a few things going against them at the moment. I hope they hold the bottle 
together, yeah. keep their bottles yeah. Yeah. Thursday night to start round three's a beauty. SEN Tire Power Tipping is back. Play SEN Tire Power Tipping and join for your chance to win weekly prizes, including the major prize of $5,000. Sign up now at tipping.sen.com.au. The manner in which the ball is contested was right in the frame for the discussion this week around the AFL's intense, the tribunal's reaction to it. So Mitch Robinson sacrificed one to save a 1,000. His suspension serves the greater cause that the AFL's been working on for a decade. Player with his head over the ball. I think most hold the view that Robinson's unlucky, but it reinforces. The AFL attempts to to further the progression around high contact with Willy Rioli. It gets rolled by the tribunal and then restates, no, this action is unacceptable in 2022. And if it happens again, we will act in the same manner. Do you think, Kane, we, we, there is clarity on the way that you can contest the ball or is there the absolute contradiction between the league and its judiciary? There's a contradiction, and there's a contradiction across uh, the media, across the players, across the coaches. Um, I heard Charlie Dixon on radio yesterday, and he was gobsmacked that Rioli got off. He said, "If I had done that, I would, you know, I could have killed him because of the the size differential for Charlie Dixon." So he said, "I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gone." So he he was he couldn't believe it. But then I hear Michael Voss say, "Well, I, th- I think probably he had a play on the ball," and I'm paraphrasing here, of course, but he didn't seem to have an issue with it. I don't have an issue with it because I think his sole intention the moment he left the ground, arms stretched, was to go for the football. Now, when we slow that down, when we play it frame by frame, at the last minute, he realises he can't get there and he turns his body like we've all been taught to do since we were six years of age to protect yourself or the brace, which, whichever, whatever term you want to say, and the contact is there. It's not, it's not violent. There's not an intent there to really hurt someone. He's just simply trying to protect himself when his sole intention when he left the ground was to mark the footy. That's what he was trying to do, mark the footy. It's just not crystal clear, and I don't think it's ever going to be crystal clear. Um, the AFL, I think, has done an amazing job of, of bringing in innovations to make the game safer with what you can and can't do. It's a clean game now, cut, taking concussion seriously. The view is, though, if we start to cut deep and we start to remove these aspects of the game, what makes the game great and what makes the game the things we love about it will start to erode slowly over time. Now, I realise I'm, I'm probably in a minority w- with that view, but that's the way I saw the incident. I didn't have an issue with him getting off. I, I would endorse Kane's thoughts. What, I am like Perry Mason with the rules of contact. I've looked at everything. I've read it through. And, and even this, read it through for every loophole, every angle. And you told me something today I did not know exists. I didn't know robust play that broke a fellow's collarbone was deemed to be a reportable too high. High contact. But it didn't get him in the head, Jared. Mm. When did they say the head is... The head, uh, they the head kept, and neck is high. When did they say that? Yeah, a couple of years back. I cannot recall that. Yep. Is it written? Yep. So it doesn't it have to be the top in... of the head. It's head and neck. But it, shoulder? It, that shoulder that blade was, is that not was a neck. Sh- yeah. Well, so that, a shoulder, that, collarbone. That, we're counting. So from the, the point of the shoulder up... Yep. Also, from actually, it's better to go the head down to the point of the shoulder. That's high contact. Okay. At, well, the, at the point did you know of the shoulder. You... No, I didn't because I, I looked at the Robinson one and I had the chart. I was doing all the right things. And I said, look, I, I think it probably lands at a week. But I didn't. I had it as body contact, not high. So I, yeah. was, I was incorrect with that. And I think a lot of people probably don't understand that either, Doom. 
So I think the interesting part around the Rioli one, so clearly I'm on the other side of that, and that's, mm-hmm. that's fine. I, th- I actually think if you polled the players privately, you would get the vast majority who thought that was a suspension and would now be going, well, is it a suspension or not? <laughs> so it, to be on the view that that's okay is to be on the other side to the AFL. This is where I think to be here in round one is a diabolical place to be. So the tribunal's happy to clear him, but the AFL restates, no, 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 that's unacceptable in the game in 2022. So if it happens this weekend, it's anybody's guess what happens. So is the, is the tribunal, you know, under these circumstances, employed as an unbiased panel? So they mm. test the AFL's laws, and the inference in what happened on Tuesday night is that the AFL's laws aren't written in a manner to support what they are attempting to do, which is the late high contact is a reportable offence. Well, the tribunal just told them, nope, your rules aren't that. The interesting part to it is, and I do think this is, so is the three-man tribunal actually making the laws of the game here by by practicality? I've had but this conversation the forever. Says, no, mm. no, yeah. absolutely clear. We disagree with what they do. We're not going to appeal it, which mm. I think... But if this happens again this weekend, this is a reportable incident, we will be suspending. By virtue of their adjudications, the tribunal can change interpretations, even from the umpiring point of view, by their determination on various aspects of of reports. Yeah, so it's an incredible place to be in round one. So they do form a case law, but they're not the most consistent body either. And the fact that two of those members would be totally different personnel if it sat this Tuesday as opposed to last Tuesday. <laughs> so, so is it like getting a, a good judge, bad judge? If those who are sitting in the AFL are trying to write the rules because they believe it's the right thing to do and you get rolled at your tribunal, oh, they, they would have been very uneasy. Uh, they could have appealed on principle. Why but didn't they I, I think they yeah. held the view that if they lost... It further enshrined the problem. To lose twice, they were only going to appeal, in my opinion, if they were stone-cold winning. Because to lose again sort of emphasises, it backs over the, the case law It's a shame because it. we really needed it tested properly, their own laws tested properly. I would have loved to have seen it go to appeal. We're on crunch time. We're gearing up for today's clash at the G between the Pies and the Crows for Dometic. Everything you need for adventures, big or small, mobile living made easy, Dometic Outdoor. Who needs a rever for Harley Heaven? The Harley-Davidson Pan America is coming to Harley Heaven in Melbourne, Dandenong and Ringwood. Visit harleyheaven.com.au for details. Few choices for the rev up for Harley Heaven today, the home of Harley Davidson. But I do feel Kane Corns Essendon have won the right to a rev up. <laughs> they need a rev up, Jared, because if you want to be good and if you want to do what many thought they would do in the preseason, these are the games you have to win. And we've discussed it a little bit around the Western Bulldogs. With where you want to get to, you have to be winning games like this at home against a like suited team uh, or a team of similar ability albeit on i understand brisbane are ahead of the development of essendon but you're playing at marvel you've got some key players back in the side including your best player in jake stringer and you're playing against a brisbane side who typically don't travel 
great. Uh, you just you have to be providing a much better effort and contest and ferocity around the football than you did last week where the game was over at quarter time. So it'll almost be an indictment. I, I get it if, if Essendon responds strongly. Then, well, where was that last week? And you needed that performance to put in a better one today. But uh, there's the most riding on it, I think, for the Bombers out of any team this weekend with how they go about their performance today at home against Brisbane. Turn your daily commute into a daily thrill-seeking adventure at Harley Heaven, Melbourne, Ringwood and Dan. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.